Alleluia, Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Alleluia. Do you feel loved and cared for? You are. Do you feel respected? You are. Do you feel like all of your needs are met? They are. This is a funny thing to ask, to ask about. And we may have all the correct answers. But the reality is that the way that we live sometimes ends up showing that we do not feel loved. Our actions show that we do not feel cared for, our wanting, our daydreaming. After things that we don't have, it shows that we sometimes don't feel like all of our needs are met. Let me give a couple of examples. We don't feel loved or cared for, so we try and make others feel guilty for not giving us the attention that we need. Or we sulk sometimes because people don't value us as we think that we should, they should. I knew this person a long time ago who always made you feel guilty for long lapses in visits. This person is now with the Lord. And I did not know this person pastorally. I was not her pastor. But I remember having a sense that this person felt lonely. Felt lonely and wanted affection that she wasn't getting from other people. I understand this. I've felt lonely and unloved. I think that we have all felt this way. Another thing that we do because we do not feel loved and cared for by others is we try to make ourselves into people that are worth loving and caring for. I can remember a time in my own personal life where I actively did things that I knew were wrong because I got adulation and attention from other people. I did these things that were harmful to me in order to get the attention that I craved because I didn't feel loved. Another thing that we do because we do not feel loved is we brag about our accomplishments. The subconscious thought behind this is I have to show others that I'm a good person. Because no one seems to notice, and nobody seems to care. I need to show them I'm worth loving. People do this type of thing for respect as well. We don't feel respected, so we try to convince others that we are really worthy of respect. I have also known men who tried to force respect through making others afraid. I know that each one of us feels slighted and disrespected. We all feel this way. This happens. And when this happens, 
There's something inside of us that wells up. Well, let's call it what it is. Sin. Sin wells up inside of us when we feel disrespected and all type, all manner of evil thoughts towards that person creep up in our mind. This happens when we're driving. This happens when somebody cuts in front of us in line. Who does he think he is? This happens when our children don't obey us. This happens when a spouse seems to give us an order instead of a request. I'm willing to guess that even the most respected among us ends up in situations where we feel disrespected. And then a thought may run through our minds. Do they know who they're dealing with? Right? And the last question I asked was, do you feel like you have everything you need? A good Christian should answer, yes, I have everything I need. But the reality is we are trained day in and day out to break the ninth and 10th commandments. Advertisers train you and I each and every day that the stuff we have is junk. But what we really need to make us happy is what they're selling. It's so, and it, isn't it hard to just be happy for a friend when they get something new and nice? <laughs> I'm really laughing because this is really true. It goes on in my mind. The first thing we think of is, yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Then we get home, we bring up to somebody uh, in the house. It would be really nice if we had, then we list off what they have. But you know what? You know, so-and-so has this, but I was thinking if we got it, we'd also want to put this on it or that on it because, well, for our needs. In other words, we just want to one-up them. (laughs) Now, I have my justification for wanting the stuff that I need. I have my justifications for wanting an Apple Watch that does exactly what my iPhone does, that does exactly what my iPad does, that does exactly what my computer does. I know my justifications for wanting a bigger salary, a nicer car. Uh, You can fill in the blank, right? The list goes on and on. We're trained day in and day out to want. Here's the thing. We all feel unloved. We all feel uncared for. We all feel disrespected. And we all worry about our future. And we long for the things that we need to make us feel more secure. If we feel this way, I want you to imagine how the disciples felt when the Roman soldiers came and took their Jesus away. They'd given up everything 
in order to follow him. And here, and here in a moment, everything's taken away. Imagine how Peter felt when those people asked him, aren't you with Jesus? Imagine how Judas felt when he made that decision to join what he thought would be the winning team. What was going through his mind? The truth of the matter is our feelings, their feelings, betrayed them. Because all the while the disciples were loved with such a love that has zero equal. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that somebody, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. The disciples didn't realize the full extent of what was going on yet, but the truth of the matter is, they needed Jesus. You see, each and every one of them was born into sin, and each and every one of them failed to love God and failed to love their neighbor as themselves. They weren't even fully aware of this, but if Jesus were not to come, their future was eternity in hell, where there is no love at all. But here is Jesus. He is God's love for the entire world. He said, I have not come to condemn the world. I come to save it. Here is Jesus, God's love for them. And he was going to lay down his sinless life. He was going to endure the wrath of God against all sin, even though he had never committed an actual sin. Here was Jesus, out of his great love for the Father and his great and enduring love for each and every person that ever lived and would live. And he was ready to do what love would do to save these sinners. These men who were in the greatest of need, they could have everlasting life. They didn't even realize it, but when Jesus said, take, eat, take, drink, my body, my blood, they were receiving God's love. And get this, they were loved even though they all ran away. They were loved even though they denied knowing Jesus. They were loved when they heard that their sin had been taken away. And even though each and every one of the disciples in that room died, they were all, they are all loved. Unfortunately, only 11 abided, stayed in that love. You are loved more than you could ever know and definitely 
you are loved more than you feel. You are respected. We always think we deserve respect. But you are respected more than you deserve. You and I are sinners. And yet the God of all creation laid down his life, his body and blood. He. I think about people taking care of elderly, elderly parents. I think about people taking care of those that they love that can no longer take care of themselves. The dignity, the, the, the feelings of dignity and, and loss when you have to bathe or, you know what I'm saying? You have to help, help them go to the restroom. These are real things. Jesus has taken care of you. He has bathed you in those waters. You think it's filthy. You think it's difficult. This guy knew no sin. And he's scrubbing off your sin. Your filth in those waters. You are the ones who receive. You are the ones who are served. Even though we should be the ones feeding and serving. I mean, if you think about position, we should be the ones feeding and serving Jesus. Is there anything else you need? And yet he serves and feeds us. He invites you to his table where he has you sit, where he says, take and eat, take and drink. You are respected with unearned respect because that's who Jesus is. And believe it or not, even if you are in dire circumstances, financially or otherwise, you have everything you need. Heaven is yours, my friends. Heaven is yours. What more could you want? This life is fleeting, and nothing, absolutely nothing that we could ever gain here will give us the security that we're hoping for. No amount of food, no amount of shelter, no nothing. It's all perishing. And God the Father, through the merits of his Son, he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God gives daily bread to everyone we confess without our prayers, even to all evil people. Because, this, because Jesus made peace with God through the blood of his cross, and in him all things hold together. Because Jesus made peace with God, I just said that. (laughs) Even the disciples, consider the disciples. They gave up their homes, they had no homes. Even they had everything they needed. 
until that day when they were called home to be with Jesus in paradise. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You are loved even when you don't feel like it. Don't let your feelings lead you into breaking God's commandments, looking for love, looking for respect, for security. When we break a commandment, we're actually saying this. I don't trust you, God. I don't trust that you love me. I don't trust that you have my best interests in mind. For when we steal, we don't trust that God is going to give us our daily bread. When we break the sixth commandment, we don't trust that God is going to meet our physical needs. When we dishonor authorities, it's because we don't trust that God gives us the honor that we think we deserve. Why should I listen to you? We want to make our own decisions. When we, you get the idea, sin is born from an untrusting heart, a heart that feels unloved uncared for, disrespected, insecure. But we must be reminded that these feelings are not the reality. The reality is that you are loved so much that Jesus, who calls you friends, laid down his life for you. Jesus rose again and he lives to intercede for you. He lives to give you the fruit of his cross. He lives to love you. Abide in that love. Stay in it. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This does not mean that you keep the commandments so that God will love you. That's not what it's talking about. He already loves you. And he gives you the fruit of that love. We care about the commandments and keep them because his love transforms us to be people that love our neighbor. We forgive those who sin against us because Jesus forgives those who sin against him, me. We respect others who have authority over us because Jesus respects us, even though we don't deserve it. We love our spouses and we do not sin against him or her because Jesus loves us as a member of his bride, the church, We don't gossip about others or tell lies about them, but rather we speak well of them and explain everything in the kindest way because Jesus intercedes for me daily and I don't deserve it. Even if he explained everything exactly how it is, 
That doesn't look good for me. But he explains everything from the point of view of his merits for me. I laid down my life for this person. He has received my love. So we, too, speak well of others. I don't want what other people have. I'm happy that they have it. Because Jesus, who has everything under his control, gives me heaven. What I just did was went through the commandments and show how we obey them. We obey them because we understand all that we have in Jesus. In other words, it comes from thanksgiving, not from compulsion. Now, of course, we need to be reminded of this daily, every minute. In other words, we do not stay and abide in God's love. When I read the scriptures, it can't be to fulfill some New Year's resolution. It can't be to, def- to fulfill a desire to prove to God my devotion to God. That can't be why I'm reading the scriptures. No, I read these scriptures because they show me Jesus. They show me God's love for me. I don't come to church because so-and-so will make me feel guilty if I don't come. No, I go to church because here, Jesus gives even me the love that flows from his cross. His love that washes me. His love that feeds me. His love that speaks life-giving forgiveness to me. I need love. I need it. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. (laughs) You need it too. I need love. I want to abide in it. I want to soak in it. I want to feed on it. So I come to church. This love changes me. It makes me want to be about what love is doing. I have all the love I need. I have Jesus. And his love flows through me, and it makes me into someone. Notice I said makes me. I'm not a good person, apart from Jesus. When I see myself doing something good, I'm generally surprised. I'm like, wow. I thought I was going to, like, chase that car down and honk at him for a half mile, but I didn't. (laughs) You see this picture today. It's a beautiful thing on the wall. I know it's harder to see when you're out on that side. Uh, The lines of the hand get blurred. But this is a picture of the wounded hand of Jesus. Flowing from that hand is his blood in the form of a vine that breaks off into branches. And you'll notice at the end of each branch are tiny silhouettes of people 
who are stretched out as if they were on a cross. And at the ends of their outstretched arms are clusters of fruit. In other words, you have Jesus' love flowing into the lives of believers so that they lay down their lives for the sake of their neighbor, bearing the fruit of love for those who need it. Jesus is the source of all the true love that we give others. When we receive him, we are equipped to give the world the love that it so desperately needs. The love that is already theirs through Jesus. Abide. Stay in his love. And you will not be able to stop yourself from loving others. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.